Welcome to Intersections, the RIT podcast. Today, Associate Professor of Comic Studies Dan Warden talks with RIT visiting cartoonist and residence Lee Rubin, the creator of Rubes, about his path from advertising arts major to internationally syndicated cartoonist. Did you grow up wanting to be? Were you always drawing? Were you always sketching? Was that was that just part of your your everyday life? I knew I wanted to be an artist since kindergarten, but how this was going to happen, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. You know, because you you have a big dream. I'm going to do this, so I did my first sketch that became a cartoon in kindergarten, which yeah. was a uh, giant that was so big I had to put his head on the other side of the piece of paper. And my teacher loved this, and my parents thought this was hilarious, so all I need is a little bit of encouragement in the wrong direction, and, <laughs> and, and there you go. Uh, yeah. So, I, yeah, I, you know, my, and my dad taught me how to draw a uh, cartoon from Popeye called The Goon. Mm-hmm. Drew that, uh, and became kind of a little my emblem for, you know, junior high, high school, and to college. And you can still see that in my signature every day. That little squiggly guy was uh, based on a character my dad yeah. took from Popeye. What did you study to kind of get to the point where you started making rubes and it was an identifiable kind of style or brand? And then what, do you, what did you read? Did you grow up reading literature? I've never stopped studying or reading. I read, I'm a pretty voracious reader and I read a lot of magazines. Now I listen to a lot of podcasts too when I'm working because there's all sorts of cool stuff in there to pick from. Oh yeah, this, that, there. There's really inspiration everywhere. Mm-hmm. You can do slapstick all day long, and but after a while, that to me gets old. So I want to shoot for that deeper meaning, and if I can pull from any mental resource, from any book, and any you know any pop culture reference, everything has become pop culture now. Mm-hmm. You know, and whether that's you know Gutenberg from whatever, because you pick somebody. People know Gutenberg. Mm-hmm. It's in the general what is it the Zeitgeist or whatever. People sure. know who who Gutenberg is, you know, he was the, the beginning of the internet of its day, mm-hmm. you know, for, well, 550 years. I don't know if this internet will last that long, if you think about that. And it just, it really can come, I have, I read so many books growing up and can, you know, I still read a lot of books, mm-hmm. but I, you know, I, I have to have at least one book that I'm reading all the time. The answer to that is just way too broad, you know, but I still get my daily newspaper. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and like say Smithsonian, National Geographic, Pop Science, whatever. And I, you know, I read comics, although I don't typically pull ideas from comics, but mm-hmm. I read them for enjoyment. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah. I mean, reading should be pleasurable. Mm-hmm. And reading comics should be extra pleasurable. <laughs> yeah, I think your other question, where did you, the, kind of a stylistic Yeah, yeah, the kind question. of art, the art question, yeah. That's just kind of developed. Early on when I was drawing, and I, when one of my reject letters came from a syndicate that said, you know, essentially, your, your gags are too good for your art. Mm-hmm. So then I restyled my art. I upped my game because that was really constructive criticism. It wasn't just a, well, go away, kid. Here's a form letter kind of a, a thing. And I took it to heart, and, and it really improved my style. And then your style changes over the years, too. I don't know if you, you know, you know that if you look at the early peanut stuff their heads are a little squishier yep. looking and I mean they're kind of adorable you know before they become more cookie cutter corporate right. stuff you know that's not a put down it's just how it is you mm-hmm. know every artist's style changes over time yeah and in terms of your your training and and kind of how you got to rubes I was curious because one of the interesting things that we're doing here at RIT is, you know, they, they brought me on to teach courses in the history of comics and the history of cartooning. It's a relatively newish thing for 
for a scholar in higher education um, to teach. And the field of comic studies, as it defines itself now, um, is really only about 20 years old. And so now today, like student at RIT, they're an illustration student, and they're thinking about becoming a comics artist. They can take five or six different courses from me in the history of the comics medium. Um, and I imagine when you were in school, that probably didn't exist. We were making history. Yeah. So we, weren't, we weren't studying it. We were, like, like, one of the things that, that I'm always curious grandiose, about, right, is, uh, is kind of what, how, um, how you came to comics, if you had a period where you were in art school, and whether comics was a part of that, or if it was always something that you wanted to do professionally, and higher education was was kind of just not a part of it at that point. Well, I wanted to be an artist from way early on. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how I was going to do that. I was an advertising arts major in college. Uh, my dad was an advertising guy, you know, uh, one of the, like, New York City madmen. I didn't know where I was going to go with that. He opened up a printing company, and I, I worked for him for many, many years, like 21 years. I worked running a press and doing, you know, everything you do at a family business. And uh, at the same time, I was going to college. But then I... I I came upon, you know, some greeting cards in a pharmacy that were very, very funny, and this is uh, 1978. Mm -hmm. I thought, hey, I really like, I really like these cards, and hey, I could start a greeting card company, having no business sense at all of how to start a greeting card company, so I scribble out some cartoon ideas, and then I printed them up, but, you know, put one on my dad's counter at his print shop. A guy came in and paid 50 cents for that card, and I thought, huh, what do you know? For the next two years, I was selling quite a few cards and it was paying for itself but it was also a lot of work because I was also working the regular job that led into uh, I used that same character just and turned it into a musical note the mm. same little character mm. that's in my signature which turned into a book called Notable Quotes and it's all terrible musical puns did a did a book signing at a at a bookstore in the local newspaper covered it, and we, I became friends with the entertainment editor, and he said, how'd you like to draw a daily cartoon for us? Which is, I had exploring it, but I didn't really know how to do it. And I go, oh, well, of course, because I thought, oh, this will be easy. I'll be, I'll be rich and famous. That didn't exactly happen <laughs> like that, but it was a beautiful start. One of the things that I love about <laughs> comics is that there's no one path to oh. being a comics artist, right? I, I think you're absolutely right. There isn't. There's, then there was no guidebook. I think there's more guidebooks now mm -hmm. than there ever, but it was one of those I'm just kind of finding my way. I don't know, I don't know what to do. I had no mentors. I think I, meant, I mentioned it to you before, and a couple of the students that you've talked with, a couple of our students have web comics. It's become the kind of new, the new entry point for aspiring comics artists, right? Since mm -hmm. now it's... There's a relatively low low barrier to entry if you want to throw some of your work up on Instagram mm -hmm. or Tumblr, right, on some of these free platforms. And I was curious what you thought about or if you've seen a shift since digital comics have become maybe more available in the past 10 years. Um, and as that pocket of, um, of comics has grown, it seems like today at least a lot of my students read web comics and they read them weekly or they read them daily. They read them the way that I grew up reading newspaper comics, yeah, right? where they right. check in on these on these particular web comics. And I was curious how you see that change as they shift maybe from print to digital or as print persists and then digital just becomes another way for comics to circulate. Yeah, can't we all just get along yeah. here? I mean, I'm fine with both because the really cool part about digital is, well, you're worldwide. Mm -hmm. The bad part about digital is it doesn't pay a whole lot you know so i just i mean i have to see it as a coexisting mm -hmm. kind of different
platform. I don't read a whole lot of comics online. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest, I still read the what's what's served in, with my breakfast, or if I wait to, with my lunch. Yeah. Every day. You are our cartoonist in residence. You're here. Um, you're here for this week. The week that we're talking is mm-hmm. we're, we're in the fall semester right now, and then you'll be back. Um, in the spring, yep. um, and as part of it, you're you know giving public talks, you're visiting classes, you're interacting with students, um, looking at their work, um, giving them guidance. I got to say, it's a, kind of the coolest, nicest honor, accolade, whatever, in 35 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, wow, that ha- it, does anybody else have those? Do you know? I mean, are there? Yeah, really? I mean, I think it's a pretty unique thing, in part because, um, especially for RIT, we want our students to learn from working and successful comics artists and cartoonists. But if they're working and successful, kind of by definition, the way that the comics medium works, they're often working on daily deadlines. If they're a newspaper cartoonist, on monthly deadlines. If they're drawing a book for uh, Marvel or DC or Mm -hmm, some other mm -hmm. uh, mainstream comic book publisher. Or if they're an indie cartoonist, you know, they're working on their next 400-page graphic novel or something. So the residency is in part a way to get a successful working comics artist um, who has to meet regular deadlines, get them to campus mm-hmm. um, so that they can interact with students. And I think it's been really interesting for our students to hear about your experiences and for our students to get exposure to somebody who still works in that industry um, and to think about what does working under syndication look like? Um, what does it look like to sit down at that drafting table and look at that rectangle and that panel and think about what you're going to put in it every day and mm-hmm. not allow yourself to get up and leave until you do? Um, I think that's a really valuable thing for them to think about. Well, it's a discipline. It really is. And I, I guess in my personal experience, those whiny people that complain I have writer's block, that doesn't exist. I can't. It does not exist in my universe. Mm-hmm. It cannot exist. If that paper is in front of me, something has to appear on that. And that's just it. I don't mind that. I don't mind the train. It keeps me busy, and mm-hmm. it keeps me keeps me at least I hope sharp, and it keeps people laughing. I think it's a, kind of a win all the way around. Thanks for listening to Intersections, the RIT podcast, a production of RIT Marketing and Communications. To learn more about our university, go to www.rit.edu, and to hear more podcasts, find us on iTunes or visit us at www.soundcloud.com slash RIT Tigers.